Welcome to a new episode of Film Seizure. I am Admiral Jeff Arbuckle. I'm Veger. 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 You've already fucked this up. <laughs> You're done. I'm turning off your mic. I'm taking this one over. I'm Veger. <laughs> I'm Veger. I thought you were going to be a captain. I was going to. I was going to temporarily demote you. I got a little jewel on my neck. You're not. Uh, you're not. I'm shaving my head. You, no way you're going to look as good as. Um, V'ger. <laughs> no, V'ger wasn't what she was. She was the V'ger's probe. Probe. Yeah. She can probe me. So, what movie is this, Jeff? This is Star Trek, the motion picture. Yeah. This is the human adventure is just beginning. Yeah. Yeah. Um, that was a major part of the uh, promotional element of this. I think, though, that there were uh, different opinions of what the word adventure means, and we'll talk about that, because this is an adventurous movie. Most people would disagree, but I don't think they are thinking it in the same way that they are, that the people making this movie and the way I'm taking this is trying to, to take it. Does that make sense? No, but we'll, get, <laughs> we'll unpack it. I, cause well, I, we got cause, lots to unpack on this yeah, one. Yeah, we do. Uh, this is a dense movie. Uh-huh. This is a very dense movie. First of all, it's 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 dense and it's not. It's well, kind of like an airy denseness because ultimately the movie is it doesn't have like a ton of of plotting. No, it's a no. It's, there is really it, no plot. It's I re- mean, it's a real basic plot. It's like I don't. It's like uh, Star Trek's Close Encounters, kind of. Yeah, it's uh, it is trying to be, and, and Close Encounters does play into the history of this movie quite a bit. But it's it's very much Close Encounters and two thousand one. Yeah, for um, sure. It's two thousand one in the sense that the plot is super simple. There are a lot of visuals that you are. Um, to take in a certain way, mm-hmm. and um, the 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 close encounters element is the idea of meeting something that's beyond our comprehension. Yeah, it, it, uh, or beyond a a general collective con- uh, comp- comprehension. I I uh, the two thousand one reference is definitely there. I got a lot of. Tarkovsky's um, Solaris out of this seeing this mm. I haven't seen this movie in so long I've seen probably Solaris both versions half a dozen times since I've seen this again I feel like I've seen just recently a half a dozen versions of Star Trek the motion picture well so- shit Star Trek made a version of Star Trek the, the motion picture when they made Star Trek 4 I mean in a way yes it's crazy yeah so th- okay um Boy, there's a lot to unpack. And there I, is. I really a lot. don't even because there's behind the scenes stuff to unpack. Yeah. There's the there's the timeline uh, within universe of why people are acting the way they are, and there are a lot of themes in this movie. Like the themes almost step over each other, trying to e- expose themselves to the audience. If that means, if that makes sense. Yeah. Um, I have a feeling I'm going to be saying, does that make sense? Does that a lot? make sense? Because he wants to make sure that I understand it. Because I'm about to I'm about to evolve because, into a higher consciousness. Because, because, well, maybe you're trying to get me to, or we're supposed to merge at the end. It's going to be a Cronenberg. So that I feel the human in you in me. 
Oh, yikes. I don't want you to ever say anything like that do, to me. Do you, ever. do you know what I mean? No, I do not know what you mean. <laughs> uh, okay. I know what you mean, and I don't like it, and I don't want to know what you mean. I think, I think a good place to start here, Jeff, is where we start a lot of our episodes like this, is, is from a good old healthy dose of nostalgia. Oh, yeah, this so, movie's super nostalgic. So where this movie kind of impacted both of ours, how, how, how we have connected with it over the years... And then I think we can start to unpack how this movie has changed for us into adulthood. Okay. Um, why don't you go ahead and, and take lead on this? Yeah, this will be real easy for me. Um, yeah, because I'm going to need about I know. 79 minutes. Yes. So <laughs> I'll, I'll, be, I'll be brief to a degree. Um, this was not a movie that I was around much as a kid. I watched it. Um, I didn't get it. I thought it was slow and dull, and I was like, I want to watch fucking Star Trek 2 and 3. like that. <laughs> and then when Star Trek 4 came out in the theater, man, my body was ready, Yeah. right? So, so that, that's me. I watched the original series a lot because my dad loved it. Um, but I think my dad's connection to Star Trek was more as sort of like the space cowboy aspect of Kirk, sure. right? And not so much the heady sci-fi because he didn't like this movie. And that's why we didn't watch it much or why it wasn't on much. I mean, if it was on TV, he'd put it on, he'd leave it on. But it wasn't one that we enjoyed together all that much. Fair enough. Um, and I think part of it is that um, for a lot of people, this was their first experience of Star Trek on the big screen or the first experience of a huge budgeted Star Trek thing, right? A huge production. It wasn't for me. I'm pretty sure I saw two and three way before I saw this. So kind of going backward to the motion picture, it, it for a child that grew up on 2 and 3, it was it, just, it, could, it was too cerebral. Okay. And and I just didn't really connect with it. Um there are things I like a lot more about it now than I than I did as when I, I don't know probably 6 5 or 6 when I first saw this maybe maybe a little older, I'm not sure. Yeah, I'm I'm really curious to so, see where we go and the depths we go as adults talking about this movie. Yeah. Cuz yeah. I mean, it it is and I could see kind of where my dad being a big Kirk fan didn't really connect with this movie That's because interesting. because Kirk Kirk is not quite I think he's more of a human character in this. And he's kind of more of an adventurous cowboy archetype in a lot of the other Trek movies. Um yeah, I got a lot to say about that. Uh, but uh, continue. Continue on. Okay. Because uh, um, you're already touching upon <laughs> other elements that I think we will be talking about later, yeah. too. Um, but go ahead. Go sure, ahead. sure. Um, so so there were always things about the you know you uh, pacing. You always hear people complain Ugh. about the pacing of this. And, you know. And uh, you know what? That's another thing we're going to talk about. I know. And, and, and for me, you know, as a child, that was a problem because Fair it, because I wanted Star Trek 2, right? Sure. Um, but, but it's not a problem for me now. I do think there are moments, and I don't know the director's cut as well. I don't even know if I've seen the director's cut, but I've heard that there were edits made for pacing for that to some degree. But it's still longer. But right. It's right. really interesting. I, I, I and we'll talk about the various cuts later. There's a few sort of moments 
in the film where I think, okay, we could probably trim some of this. I get, I get, I know exactly the parts you're talking I about. I get, I get how huge all of this is. Yeah. I get how this is this, this is like the cum shot of Star Trek on the, on the, um, big screen, right? To forgive my crude metaphor, but that's sometimes <laughs> how it felt. It was like bask in this greatness. And I was like, okay, but now I kind of sort of feel like this is the punchline at the beginning of, space balls with the wide load license plate at the end of the big shot right well yeah <laughs> it's kind of like all right yeah i get the magnitude i do and yeah. and i think it's rad but let's get to the next thing um yeah there's we have stuff to talk about that too um because i do understand that critique in a couple of places generally i kind of feel and i'm just gonna say it uh, if you're an adult and you have a problem with this movie, then I don't think you understand this movie. Understand uh, it in the sense of In what? the sense of the themes it is wanting to sure, project. Sure, um, but, you, I, you know, but But I, I've got a whole rampage. I'll I, go on with that later. I don't, have, I don't have any real true negative critiques about... What this movie is trying to accomplish, and, and what I'm this movie, and what this movie I, does I, accomplish. Yeah, yeah. No, I, and, I do feel like, from an editing standpoint, fair enough. There are Absolutely. some there are some things I would like to see, and and I am actually eager to watch the director's cut to see what changed in that regard. That shit needs to be released on Blu-ray because you ain't gonna like the version that's there. Because if I did not <laughs> like this movie, yeah, right. I know. I, I, yeah, I'm sure. You're, you're a visual. If like, I if elitist. I did not like this movie, I would not be that excited to see the director's cut. Right. Um. But anyway, uh, I I probably, to be super fair, enjoyed this movie more in this setting, 40th anniversary on the big screen in the theater than I've ever in my life enjoyed this movie. And I enjoyed it quite a bit. This is, without a doubt, one of the best-looking movies ever made. Ever. And I don't think I don't think anybody would ever poo-poo that idea. One of the best-sounding, too. Oh, my God. I don't know who, this, Jer- that- I don't know who this Jerry Goldsmith guy is, <laughs> but, I mean, I never heard from him again. But Certainly he, not with Star but, Trek. I mean, I mean, he was a one-and-done... <laughs> guy but holy crap he just knocked it right out of the park with this score didn't he yeah um not not just the score but the sound design is amazing yeah um okay so my connection to this movie gosh i i mean this movie came out i was almost i was just a couple of months away from being three when this movie came out the end this came out the very end of, of 1979 I cannot tell you, in the grand scheme of context, did I see this movie before Star Trek II? Mm-hmm. I know I saw Star Trek II in the theater. I doubt I saw this in the theater. Positive my oldest brother, Jim, did. Because that's where I get my love of Star Trek from. Um, I, um, I definitely know I watched it on TV, be it cable or home video, and certainly, what's a note that will be for later, the ABC Sunday movie mm-hmm. of the week. Uh, that played a lot mm-hmm. in the summertime. Mm-hmm. Um, it was an easy three hours for it to fill yep. in the summertime when there's nothing else to play. Um, it's. Uh, I always loved this movie. 
I don't know if you would have asked me why I love it. I could go any further than to say the way it looked. And in particular, the refit Enterprise. Mm -hmm. That is, I mean, the Millennium Falcon can go fuck off. (laughs) My ship is the refit Enterprise. Well, there's a good scene of Enterprise porn in this movie. Oh, my golly. I mean, holy moly. Yes. And I love every minute of it. And I say every minute. Every minute. Yeah. Many minutes min- of it. It's a five-minute sequence. <laughs> uh, but I love it. Um, I love that shift. I it completely is, I'm wearing the fucking shirt right I completely now. 100% <laughs> understand why that scene is the way it is. I mm-hmm. completely get it. But, yeah, I didn't have that same sort of joyous feeling seeing it when I saw this movie because it didn't feel that big to yeah. me anymore um no and that's fair um but i uh, so between that and all of the weirdness inside the v'ger ship mm-hmm. is stuff that i can't remember a time when that wasn't part of my memory yeah it's kind of like i can't remember a time when star wars or empire strikes back was not a part of my memory I can remember when Return of the Jedi wasn't part of my memory because I remember going to see right. like E.T. or Star Trek II, for example. Um, so, you know, I can, but I cannot remember a time when the visuals from this movie was not part of my collective memory, in my, my, my whole life's collected memories. The inside of the vibe. Journa. God damn, I'm going to beat you over the head was, with my I'm, microphone. I'm try, I was trying to do like a, like a vagina. Well, we're gonna, yeah. There's definitely orifices. There. I was trying. Here. I was trying to create a new word. Yeah, there are definitely some orifices discussed in this movie, mm-hmm. uh, a lot. Um, but um, I was always a, a a stark defender of this movie. Um, I like this movie more than Star Trek Three. Um, though, in my later years. Star Trek three has grown to the same level as this movie. Um, and I'll tell you the reason why I like this movie more than Star Trek three, two reasons. One, the enterprise got blown up in Star Trek (laughs) three. This ship got blown up in Star Trek (laughs) three. That was hard times for old Jeffrey. Um, I always loved it when they blew up the enterprise and then like, in Next Generation or oh, the movies. Oh, they did it way too much at that I point. always loved it, though. But I would call my buddy up because we'd be watching it live, and mm-hmm. I'd be like, they're just fucking blow up the Enterprise. <laughs> <laughs> um, but no, I... Um, <laughs> but Star Trek Three is a very sad movie. Yeah. And you need a little bit of age, and you need a little bit of maturity to understand why. And... Um, in that regard, age and, major- and maturity has elevated Star Trek II so far up as much as I already liked it before. I mean, there is no Star Wars movie I like as much as Star Trek II. Uh, there, I mean, it, and it's it's so high up that when you say, well, what's your favorite sci-fi movie? I always say Blade Runner. But it's really Star Trek too. Yeah, I mean it's it's on level. I mean it's it's on a level of of the size of the V'ger cloud. That's how that's how large it is in my life. It's as large as the inside of V'ger, even. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. 
really can knock around inside <laughs> there. Um, <laughs> oh gosh, uh, but no, I. But as years went on, of course, it was like peeling back the onion, right, on this movie. And nowadays, um, I want more sci-fi like this. Sure. Yeah. Um, and I I despise when Star Trek fans particularly fans of the next generation shit on this movie. Mm -hmm. And it's like, this is the very sci-fi that you desire desperately from this franchise. Yep. And, but you're shitting on it. That doesn't make any sense to me. It's, um, I think it's offensive in a way because it's like, okay, well, if you don't want the JJ Abrams star Trek, which I understand it's more dumbed down, it's action, but, um, and you want something more cerebral, like some of the very best next generation stuff was, mm-hmm. then I don't understand why you don't like this movie. Uh, this movie is so cerebral. Who was the credited science consultant? Oh, it was um, was it? It wasn't Carl Sagan, was it? No. Um, it was Isaac, Isaac Asimov. Asimov. Yeah, yeah. Asimov. Yeah. So that's um, significant. Yeah. And it certainly uh, uh, should, at the very least, kind of show the hand a little bit about what they wanted to talk about in this. And Gene Roddenberry only had to make Kirk a space cowboy to sell the show. Right. This is his style of of sci-fi. He wants this Ray Bradbury style Mm -hmm. of high idea in the Asimov and and the Arthur C. Clarke high idea type stuff absolutely and i mean i th- you would think he you know he probably considers them contemporaries peers oh absolutely yeah and and certainly i would say ray bradbury would think of gene roddenberry as such yeah um they explore themes very similarly um although i would say that probably gene roddenberry has a lot more instances of putting men in dresses <laughs> 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 Almost all of his, uh, every, if you look back and find any clips or anything from other uh, series he tried to start where it took place in the future, men in dresses. There are, well, which is which is funny because that's probably technically, well, that's, would, I, I would suspect male creatures from another planet probably don't wear pants. Well, well, you know, we <laughs> did, well men didn't wear pants before. No. Before, yeah, they didn't. Before, they wore like tunics. They wore tunics and, and yeah. togas and sheets and shit. Yeah. They didn't wear any yeah. fucking pants. Right. I, I don't think, I mean, they I mean, wore, probably look at us as like, why the hell are you all bunched up around <laughs> your genitals? Like, what is the point of that? You got to let that shit <laughs> breathe, man. Because it is kind of ludicrous. Right, right. But yeah, so I mean, that's a, and, and, and if you think about it, that's a high idea, right? Because it's stepping outside our construct. But boy, there's there's something I love and something I hate about this movie, the costumes. <laughs> like I really like the look of Kirk's admiral's uniform. Oh yeah, the ship captain's the the the, the boat captain yes, uniform. I love it. But yeah, man, I love that. some of the some of the like unis and uh, there's they're just not good for the male. Oh, I saw a lot of outline <laughs> of dick. A lot of outlines of dick. It's funny, <laughs> but I'm, the the tunic version though where there was pants yeah. and a tunic separate uh, uh and it was very 70s 
Yes, there. I want all of the furniture from that yeah. movie in my living room. Here. It's Kirk's lounge is phenomenal. oh my god, so good. Um, not quite as good as uh, McCoy's medallion, but oh shit, and his yeah, chest man. hair. Oh shit, it's yeah, crazy that, cool. That medallion. should be my next fucking Halloween. It really movie. fucking should be. <laughs> <laughs> I can get that beard going. That's perfect. I can be grumpy. Oh yeah, good working on that. Yeah, yeah you work. don't have to work on the grumpy part, but the beard part <laughs> or the or the hair part. Yeah. Um, no, this, uh, another gripe though I've always had about Star Trek is they change uniforms a lot in the universe. Like until a they lot. Did Star Trek too. Then they kept those they until did. the next generation. They did. They almost did. right before next. Generation. I like I like that that continuity. Yeah. The the motion picture. I think maybe they realized. Yeah, we we got to update well, these uniforms to something that works. It's a little bit more military. There's there's and there a was a, there of was things. sort of a shift I think too in the mentality of the the. The Federation, you know, it was more in conflict. Yeah, so in the later movies, so you have like this, you know, warring factions, and it and all the uniforms become more militaristic. I can I can give you some context. Here. All right. Uh, first of all, Star Trek Phase Two, which we're going to break down this whole thing here in a minute. Oof. But Star Trek Phase Two, we'll be here a while, folks. Was going to um, wear the same yellow, blue, red outfits that the original series had. Um, when it came time that this was becoming a movie and the themes that were being presented and the relative darkness and the clinical style of some of the, uh, of some of those themes, um, they toned down the colors because it would, it was, it was a contrast. Um, now the reason why Star Trek two, three and forward, uh, look different is because those movies actually are 15 years later. Uh, so yeah. there is a... there well, There is a... Well, two, three, and four also take place within the span of the same, like, few months or something, for, right? Like a year, I think. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, I've got the whole timeline here. So well, uh, so the, the general plot of this movie can be summed up essentially in two or three sentences. Mm-hmm. Uh, an unidentified cloud... That in the original version, they say is 82 AUs in diameter. That is as big as our solar system. One AU is the distance from the Earth to the sun. Um, In later, or in the director's edition, they realized how large that was. Mm -hmm. And they, they, they cut 82 to over two. Okay. So they re, they overdubbed that line. Um, Huh. So yeah. So, and that is much more conceivable even when you think about the path that the enterprise takes into the cloud and into the ship that's much more correct um so uh this uh unidentified cloud registering huge amounts of power and radiation uh come into the galaxy it attacks some klingons and it's on a direct path towards Earth. Correct me if I'm wrong, real quick, but the Klingons that it attacks—that's the first time you see sort of the more classic modern the interpretation head, of the ridge head, head of the Klingons. Yeah, yeah. Um, which was, did that confuse people? Like, who the fuck are those? Because well, they're no, the bird of prey's, but uh, they well, those aren't bird of prey's. Those are Katinga class. What the fuck ever? <laughs> Katinga class or whatever they're called. God damn, they're, they're Klingon they're ships. Yeah, they're cruisers. <laughs> um, <laughs> Nerd. <laughs> Nerd, you start talking Klingon, 
You should have answered. No, you should have. You should have rebuked me Klingon. in Klingon. I do not know Klingon. Goddamn. <laughs> I do have a di- dictionary, but I don't know how to speak it. A better to pray could not fire when cloaked. That was <laughs> like my combination of my Scotty and my my Chekhov there. That was yeah, terrible. That was really bad. <laughs> um, so uh, yeah, so this was the first time. Although remember how movies were released back then, there would be a lot of ephemera that would go out. Sure, first. yeah, that's, programs, yeah. Um, TV specials, stuff like that. So. Um, I'm sure there were some people who maybe didn't see any of that stuff that might have thought, who the fuck are these people? Yeah. Uh, but it was a welcome change. Sure. Um, really, Klingons in the 60s were dudes in blackface. Yeah. Ooh, brown yeah. face. Yeah. Uh, not blackface, but brown face. Um, there's a whole story behind <laughs> what the ridge heads and the smooth heads and what they're... Oh, like. yeah. Are they supposed to be different versions of Klingons, too? Uh, kind of. Yeah. Uh, the ridge heads were originally the warrior class, because most of the time that you Is saw Klingons... Is this canon? Maybe. It gets a little fuzzy around canon with Star Trek. Yeah. Um, no, it was. It, there were two different classes. Uh, the smooth heads... I think were ridge heads. I think they had surgery to look more um, governmental to the feder- federation, and the ridge heads were typically the. So they were the the emissaries, if you will, the, the uh, kind of, but they were still assholes. Well, sure, but they, they were, but right, um, but the ridge heads were the warrior class and they ended up overthrowing them I uh, think, or something right, like yeah, that. Yeah. It's, it's, it's hard to say. And so I might be a little fuzzy on it. Something like that. Y- um, you've read the history of the Klingons in the, man, in the original I, Klingon, right? Uh, no, God damn it. I just go to the website memory alpha. <laughs> and uh, I, when I want to know something Star Trek, but you read, like but you read it in Klingon. No, there's no Klingon. Can you translate option. it to Klingon? No, I don't know. There, I don't know. I actually owned the Klingon dictionary I when I was too, a kid. I do too, so shut up. Yeah. Um, so for, anyway. for about a, a week, I went around talking in Klingon until my mom told me to stop talking in made-up languages because I might summon the devil. That is fucking true story. That's amazing. That is a fucking true I story. I love that. that I love that story. <laughs> I love that story. I love it. Um, so, um, I mean, if anything, if you end up, conjuring a Klingon that's fucking yeah it would look like the devil to my mom probably yeah yeah Yeah. she's like I knew it I'd you know I would rather be around Klingons than I would Romulans yeah Romulans are bad dudes Romulans are shifty as fuck yes they are they're they're I've always thought it was weird that they are basically the cousins of the Vulcans yeah they look just like Vulcans if they have like different haircuts different head cuts and they do have a little bit of different bone structure yeah. in their foreheads at least that's what the next generation did those too, crazy romulans um, make good ale though yeah illegal yeah but anyway um i think that it's just illegal because it's like a tariff it's, potent. it's like well fucking, it's probably tariffs yeah it's probably they put restrictions space trump put yeah tariffs it's on. fucking space trump that's why that's why that shit's illegal <laughs> yeah everybody wants it it's, it's like it was it's like cuban cigars yeah yeah um so anyway so basically the enterprise of course because this is the tropiest of trek tropes is the only federation class starship oh yeah in interception range the federation's home base is our planet 
and there's no other. I mean, that shit should be crowded. Yeah. Of ships. I mean, at the very least, at, some at sort least, of blockade. Yeah, at least are, one ship that was actually not being refitted at the moment <laughs> like it had actually passed inspections and shit yeah but where's the other constitution class ships that finished the refit but <laughs> that's also what i love about this movie the most yeah i love the the ragtag enterprise like the ship's not finished shit is fucking up it's it's fucking up the, so badly that it kills people it kills people it um it, yeah so, I love that. That yeah, that scene that's some grisly is grisly stuff. as hell. Yeah. They don't even have to show you the remains. Just what, what they say. And know, their screams. On the other side. Yeah, their screams. It's like they're, they're totally Cronenberged out on the yeah. other side of, of, yeah. that, of that transport. Because it's fortunate they didn't live long. <laughs> yeah. That's um, harrowing. Yeah. And uh, the they can't, they can't fly fast enough to intercept this thing. They got to figure that shit out. Thank God Spock shows up. Yeah, which... <laughs> <laughs> he just he just like ambushes him basically. Yeah. He's like he just shows up like sneaks up behind him, docks and gets on board. Like, yeah. To the point where he gets on the bridge. Yeah. And Kirk had no idea it was coming. Yeah. <laughs> I mean that's And then he started doing everybody's job. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. Um <laughs> Kirk is out of sorts. Um the only person who seemingly is doing their job proper their jobs probably the only two people are sulu and uhura <laughs> everybody else is out of sorts they're out of practice they're yep. they're they're uh contentious with one another you would argue that decker um is doing his job at a peak level he's just a, he's just a different type of leader than kirk but he also holds a lot over kirk's head which not to say that that's not do in certain circumstances in which Kirk's orders would have killed everybody. Right. But he is he's smarmy a, about he's it. He's a bit petulant. Yes. But not, I don't find him to he, be... Although he does have my favorite line. I don't find him to movie. be annoyingly petulant. I, I find him... No. I find no, him to be... He betters Kirk in the end. Yeah. Uh, he has my favorite line. When uh, they get out of the wormhole and kirk's like reprimanding him and he's like telling him it's like well no actually this new design does this 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 and this you didn't know that and uh and he's like um you saved the ship and he's like, well i'm quite aware of that yeah <laughs> <laughs> he's a bit smug yeah he yeah is. but he but, but that was but a moment he earned he, he earned that moment um he proved himself to everyone that his knowledge and his opinion mean something um and kirk fucks up one more time mm -hmm. does not take his advice and it kills ilea yeah but people die in this but movie. you would argue <laughs> you would argue though that it was the right move in that case because while it did kill a crew member i think it was essential for them to discover what they needed to discover to ultimately save the day i think sure i think it would have lost time yeah, and, 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 in and the losing end, it totally that, and, works and out losing, for Decker. And losing, the, oh yeah, he <laughs> he merges with his space babe. I don't know if they merge. I just think they're having space sex all over in a different plane of existence. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's type of sex that transcends time and space. We have no concept of it. We 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 could never understand it. I feel like with Persis Combata, that's possible. <laughs> I mean, she knows she's Indian. She's probably knows the Kama Sutra. Fair. You know, that's on another plane yeah. of existence, right? Yeah. Um, did this nice games? Did this start? Nice did this start like a like a ball thing for you too? Like, 
It didn't into, start. Into, into it's, puberty? It's, did you, it's did you... mostly just her. Okay. Um, she is she's a tight little package. <laughs> I know that sounded really really gross, <laughs> the way I said, but it's true. Like she is small, but yet also kind of almost tall. Decker in his in his unitard had a had a tight little package. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That tis true. Uh. Tis true. <laughs> um, yeah. So, I mean, let's... Okay. What the Enterprise ends up finding out is that this is a machine that was sent from Earth, fell into what we once called a black hole. I like that line, too. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's another high sci-fi idea well, it used to be called the. Well, what's it called now? I mean, it seems like that is the same thing. Um, anyway, <laughs> um, if they have wormholes, they should have black holes. Anyway, beside the point. Don't worry about it. Don't worry about it. Don't worry about it. It's high. It's higher than my intellect can can consume. It's beyond us. It's beyond us. It's. It is well beyond us. What year does this t- movie take place in? The twenty two seventies. Okay. I've got the timeline. I'm I'm getting there. I'm getting there. Okay. Um, no, this, um, it, it's a ship that was, uh, it was a satellite sent from earth. It, uh, went into a black hole, came out on the other side of wherever galaxy universe. I can't remember exactly how they described it. Uh, found by a machine planet of living machines, took its programming to heart and sent it back to earth. It was like, oh, little buddy. Yeah. It's like little buddy. Oh god, it probably showed up in the probably like these, you know, robots were thinking like, "Oh my god, look how cute it this is." It probably looked like can Wally to it? them. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's like a puppy. Yeah. But let's let's see if we can we can give it its purpose. Yeah. So it sends it back. The problem is is that it it takes everything too literally. It also thinks because it was re essentially reprogrammed sent back by the machine planet that the machines don't recognize carbon life forms mm-hmm. as real things right so much like we don't think of machinery as real living things so it does not have regard for anything other than what it expects to find which is a machine now it thinks the enterprise is a, a um while it's infested with people with carbon-based life forms it's uh, it does think of it as a kindred thing. So yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah so I mean that. Okay, so I've wrote, I wrote down some. <clears throat> I wonder if that would be the fan fiction. The what's the um, Autobots fic- Autobots home home planet Cybertron Cybertron. It's like um, it's like our little Voyager twelve went to Cybertron. It was six Voyager six. That was twelve six. Oh, all right. Um, sorry, I haven't seen this movie in like, like an hour. Well, well <laughs> still, like the the most the little details. You that's a big detail. But I knew it was Voyager six. It was Voyager twelve six whatever. Doesn't matter. No, it it registered twelfth <laughs> power, meaning power on to the twelfth degree. Again, I have not you, seen well, this movie nearly as many times as right, you. Whatever, but yes, <laughs> especially recently. Voy- seen this Voyager six. <laughs> Voyager 6. Okay, no, there is actually, you want to know Gene Roddenberry's fan fiction? Yeah. It was sent back by the Borg. Oh. Huh. 
Yeah. That would make sense. Yeah. That I this like was that. a Borg story, essentially. Yeah. Huh. I, I kind of like that. Yeah. yeah. He does, too. Or he did, too. Huh. I kind of do, too. Yeah. It's, uh, because, it, you know, I mean, of course, we don't really know what the Borg originated as. Did this jumpstart that? Uh, or did it, or were they in a in the middle of evolution that ultimately... Huh. Yeah, anyway. I like that. Star Trek always does interesting things like that. I forget who wrote the book. There was a book, though, um, a Star Trek book, where they kind of, like, retconned Q into the very first episode of Star Trek, the, the original series, like that entity that, that, Pike, that succumbed, Pike succumbed to. I can't remember it very well. Not maybe, Pike. But, I yeah, know what you're talking it Pike? about. Captain Pike? No, it, Pike uh, was, um, he was kept in a menagerie by a butt-headed alien called the Telosians. Mm-hmm. Wow, I know a lot wow. about Star Trek. Yeah. Oh, my you God. Um, oh, my God. Oh, my God. Okay, I'm not going to try. No, I know what you're talking about, but though. The, but, it's but it's, the, like it's a... uh, where No Man Has Gone Before, that episode. A uh, friend of, of Kirk's and Sally Kellerman was the co-star in that also. Uh, that guy is yeah, who you're... Yeah, that's who I'm thinking that's of. That's who you're thinking yeah. of. Yeah. yeah. That's interesting. It's I like in, that it's idea. It's interesting, yeah. yeah. Because he certainly becomes omniscient. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, cool. Yeah. I can dig it. Nifty. Nifty. Um, so, some of the themes... I mean, gosh. I have four real ones and a fifth super real one. <laughs> <laughs> so, in this movie, we have themes of obsession... A lot of people obsessed with a lot of things. Yeah. Absolutely. Which also drives their desire. Um, Spock, maybe, is the one with the most desire when he's not supposed to be feeling anything. Uh, Spock, uh, in his time off from the end of the five-year mission till now, which is about three years, um, he went back home to Vulcan and was going to go through what was called the Colonar, and that was to purge. Sounds like a like a Lily drug. Yeah, right. For um, for erectile like, dysfunction for like, for like early colon cancer detection. <laughs> colon <laughs> purge your emotions. Yeah. with Colonar, probe it with this. Yeah. Um. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, <laughs> so yeah, he's gonna. So he comes back, and he's still not really with a whole lot of emotion, but he's driven by an obsessive desire to understand what this V'ger thing is that he sensed. Um, yeah, I mean, anyway, he's his, Kirk uh, desires it, the Enterprise back. All it's it's, it's curiosity too. Yeah, um, yeah, in in a, a more sort of human curiosity. Yeah. There is a uh, an existence or an ex- uh, existentialism. Yes. Yeah, this is uh, a very existentialist movie. Yeah, I mean, V'ger's sole evolution has, or its sole purpose is to answer the questions it's starting to ask itself and ask everything, because it has become aware mm-hmm. of its own existence, and that is, is this all that I am? Yeah. What is it that, you know? It, who created me? What cre- these are all things that real living things start to ask. Mm-hmm. Um, also, obviously, creation is sure. talked about a lot because that's where you get into those big, grand, long shots, and that's where I that's where I would categorize size. If you think of all of quote unquote creation, it's a big thing, right? 
in science fiction movies, we never really saw size quite like this before. There's something interesting about that point that just kind of clicked in my head. Because you have the scene that I've kind of derided a little bit, made fun of a little bit with the with the docking scene where Kirk is going to the retrofitted uh, Enterprise with Scotty. And it's it's a bit gratuitous. It's it, it's um, perhaps self-indulgent and in, in showing you every, the Enterprise from every conceivable angle. <clears throat> but but what I actually kind of like about it now that I think about it is, is it's sort of setting up... You look how grand this is. Wait, Wait till you see fucking V'ger. Right. Yeah. Yeah, because, I mean, they, they even show it in terms of... So you see the Enterprise leaving. It's leaving from Earth out of the space dock. It flies by Jupiter. Things are getting bigger and big. And it's almost essential. Now yeah, that I think about and it. And then it then it goes into st- the nothingness. I still think you kind of get the point. Yeah. At a certain point, but but I kind of get it. Right. Yeah. Um. Yeah. So I mean, like by the time they get to the cloud, which is yeah, just unbelievably large. I mean, yeah. And, and they may go way out of their way to show you this tiny. Itty bitty little, little bitty enterprise yep. floating across the screen. <laughs> yeah, and it's you know, and also you got to think there are people inside of that, right? Which so, I always, which I love. There's a shot where they're they've just interviewed her, and there's that there, it's the little teeny tiny enterprise that's cutting across, and it takes it takes it probably a good halfway across the screen uh, from where it shows it and where it ends. And what I love about it is it it then cuts hard cut into. Onto the bridge. Yeah. Right? I love that. It's like, well, I'm so far out here, and I'm right back in there. Right. And I know exactly where I am. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, and, you know, then there's stuff it's on... It's almost a relief yeah. to get back onto the bridge. Yeah, because it, it's, it is, it is that, it's that thing that sometimes a really good filmmaker can do, or a really good designer can do. Which is make you feel claustrophobic in a great yes. big space. Yes. Um, well, you, space well, be well, scary, well, yo. You, you feel helpless. Yeah. Yeah. Um, there are a lot of scenes of people just floating out in space. It's like, I don't like no, that. No. It makes me, it make, it tightens my chest. Mm-hmm. I feel like I'm trapped. I'm lost. It's like extreme agoraphobia. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, yeah, to the uh infinite to the degree. infinite degree yeah, <laughs> yeah. Liter- quite literally yeah yeah um it's um yeah but it's uh it's awesome it is awesome it's real awesome it's um, very awesome <laughs> but it's <laughs> <laughs> but there are even things like when you're flying by you're like remember seeing those like things that look like eyeballs yeah. and V'ger? it's like what the fuck are those for yeah, right and it's like then you oh, see like things, the glowy things yeah, yeah yeah like when they were flying in that yeah. in that in that ravine basically uh-huh. it looks like the ship looks like a planet. Yeah. Like there are like and this stuff used to freak me out as a kid. <laughs> it's like this looks like hell. Yeah. You know, and I had a concept of hell because I saw the black hole. Right. And right. you got to see they hell. They all go the to hell at the yeah. end of that. Yeah. Um Yeah. Uh, yeah. Ma- Maximilian yeah, raising his fucking little robot arms in the air. I know. We're in hell now. I know. It's scary. It's scary. It's scary Talk stuff. about that shit. That's scary, scary shit when you're a kid. Yeah. But anyway, but it's a, it's it's interesting because yeah, I think that we, I don't remember if we talked about this in our black hole episode, but yeah, that that sort of idea of this this infinite unknown, right? Right. Yeah, I mean, obviously, two thousand one, a space odyssey, the black hole, this movie, all kind of explore that. You know, it's not like space is enough. 
you know yeah I mean, it's, this is all of everything yeah yeah it's, it's it's a terrifying concept yeah and um i think that's what one of the things we're supposed to feel with dave in 2001 right when he's going through the stargate and it's you you're you're receiving so much information that your brain can't even process it yeah um to tell you a story uh this is i've always been interested in space things i don't want to go to space but i want to see pictures of planets i want to know what's out there i go back right? and forth on that well if i could just like if i never have to be floating out in space I could probably get on something to get on something yeah. to get on something and then go someplace. I'm with you on that. I um, want to be in I don't want to. I don't want to be I floating in space. I agree with, with Dr. McCoy. I ain't getting on that fucking transport. <laughs> I don't want my molecules <laughs> scrambled all over the place. Um, God, Divorce Kelly's so good in this movie. Yes. Everybody's really good in this movie. Um, God, there's so much we need to talk about here. I do but, not. <laughs> <laughs> um, so... Um, the so yeah the story i was gonna say is i've always been interested in space stuff now uh my ex-wife amy was never interested in space didn't care didn't have any care for it. and the reason why and she'll be very honest with it is she can't comprehend the size of it mm -hmm. so when she can't comprehend that she shuts it off yeah and i understand that there's a lot of people like that um you know but and this movie does everything it can to show you that size that I mean, you know, they were talking about, like, there's a passage of time in this movie, too. Like, shortly after they pass uh, Jupiter, they say they've been X number of minutes outside of Dryda, but it was only seconds in the movie. You know, but it's like, oh, my God, it took them that long to get that far, and they have to go where, how fast? You know, it's, um, there is an element of size. Uh, my super real thing, the concept in this movie I wanted to talk about was the fact that uh, um, wanting to have sex with mechanisms. Yes. Because Decker definitely wanted to stick his Decker into that Ilea robot. Yes, he did. I mean, she already s sort of seemed like a robot <laughs> when when she wasn't one. She's Look. very she she seemed like an empath would seem. Yeah, there is a cutout scene in one of the versions where she removes Chekhov's pain when he gets mm. electrocuted. Yeah, um, on the hand there. So yeah, she does have a little bit of em Cause empathic, like because like, the empaths because they, they, they also they, Deltons they, also can make people they, fall in love with them. They feel your emotion. Yeah, and they could probably transfer it back to you. Yes, but when they're not, they always kind of seem flat in sci-fi yeah. right well an interesting thing before we saw this we saw this as a fathom event by the way uh, this is coming out around thanksgiving time we saw this back in september yeah um the um the little they they they, they showed the uh little featurette about writing this movie and that's fascinating it was, and we'll yeah. get to that background here in just a minute but one of the things that they said was they had like 13 scripts when and and they were still working on scripts when Paramount's like, oh, yeah, by the way, this is going to be a movie now. So the scripts that they had left over, they just transferred it over to Star Trek Next Generation. Yeah. So if you <clears throat> sit and watch this movie and you are a fan of Next Generation, you'd probably think, gosh, Decker and Ilea look an awful lot like Commander Riker and Counselor Troy. And yes, 
Absolutely. You mean Aaliyah looks a lot like Captain Picard? <laughs> well, okay, look. Yeah. <laughs> they look a lot like Captain Picard. On, I'm, here, I'm here for the jokes, folks. Yes. <laughs> I'm trying to have a real serious conversation. There is, I know there's one fan out there who really wants to hear the serious shit about this movie, Jason. And that's interesting, though. I, d- I didn't think about that, though. But that is very true. Yeah. So I guess maybe we should talk about the, um, what, the, the timeline of, of, like, how the genesis of this movie came about? Sure, yeah. So um, in 1969, of course, the TV series was canceled. It had really, really low. Uh, it had a very strong fan base, but a really low ratings. So it didn't have many viewers, but those viewers were loyal. And it was around that time that Roddenberry was pushing Paramount to make a movie. And and that first movie was going to be kind of a prequel series, how everybody met each other. Ultimately, it's what J.J. Abrams yeah, gave us. Yeah. Um, but then, um, but Paramount's like, no, there's just no no conceivable way. Uh, sometime around 74, 75 or so, uh, the, the syndication popularity not only had, and also you had like an animated series. Yeah. Uh, that animated series is fantastic. Um, but they, you know, Paramount's like, you know what? It's popular enough. You know, these, these, there are conventions of people now, you know, it's like, yeah, let's make a movie. And then they started like, cranking out scripts for whatever they could get and i think ray bradbury actually had a story Hmm. at one point um i could be wrong on that but basically they had a couple of ideas one of which we heard about tonight that i didn't know about which was the titans one planet of the titans well okay planet of the titans one is kind of silly that's real silly um that's not the one i was talking about the one i was talking about was the uh the god thing Oh yeah, which but they said kind of became Star Trek Five, right? But the that God Paramount thing. was like no, yeah, because the guy who was the head of Paramount was like a devout Catholic. Catholic it's yeah. like nope, we can't make that movie. Um, so then, but they kind of did. Well, they kind of did, but it, it, real shittily. Well, uh, no, but they even kind of did with with motion picture. Mm, but they sort yes. of, but they sort of flipped so, it on its head. Like yeah. humans ended up being the machine of the gods or the god on the machine. Right. Yeah. Right. Which, you know, really, if you think about it, like, think about where we are right now and how close we are to AI being, like, I've always said the next social issue will be how we treat AI uh-huh. and whether or not we should have a relationship with an AI. Um yep. Anyway. And that's and that's really what this movie starts to explore. It starts to explore that idea, and this it's was geni- forty fucking years ago. It's like the ago. genesis of it. Yeah, uh, the genesis. Uh, I mean, in the Star Trek universe, right? Because you imagine, like, I don't know what the fuck is is data, right? Yeah, you know, they and and this did borrow also from an episode called The Changeling, where a robot had had kind of basically gained sentience. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I mean, this was borrowing from concepts that were being either developed sure. for star trek or had been an episode or whatever and i mean philip k philip k dick was had been writing about this already yeah i mean yeah. these aren't like crazy new ideas but right. it, but within the star trek universe it's sort of well it was it was taking it from heady sci-fi and initially was trying to distill it into a star trek universe while still retaining the key 
elements of that heady sci-fi. Yeah, sure. Um, so, okay, so with the scripting troubles that came along, by 1977, like, Paramount's like, no. You know, it's like there's also design problems, like Ralph McQuarrie, who did the Star Wars designs, mm-hmm. was brought in to design stuff without a script or without any kind of story idea. So he's just like, I was just told to wing it. Kind of basically give us some sort of conceptual parallel to what we had already done. But I mean, and if and some of his uh, some of his of his drawings are out there, you can see, and they are pretty close to Star Trek. What's interesting is now they're being used more for like uh, Discovery. Mm, okay. Uh, like the shape of that ship is very uh, Ralph McQuarrie designed. But anyway, um, so then Star Wars makes it basically impossible for cerebral sci-fi to ever exist again. <laughs> um, but so then then Paramount's like, OK, we're it, taking it back to TV. It created the first nerd fight. Star Trek versus Star Wars. Nerd fight is on. Yeah, I'm Star Trek. I'm, I don't know. I'm somewhere in the middle. You're a referee. Sure. Yeah. I'm somewhere in the middle. Um. So Paramount's like, okay, we're going to, we're going to bring this back TV. We were crazy to think about doing it as a TV show. This isn't in, you know, this isn't chic anymore. Let's just um, bring it back to TV. So they created something called Star Trek two or Star Trek phase two. Um, they had started writing a bunch of scripts and then uh, Close Encounters comes out, and they're like, oh, you know what? We can make mm-hmm. a sci-fi theme that does not involve spaceships blowing each other up, pew-pews, pew-pews. and what have you. So then from 78 to 79, uh, they're, you know, they started making the movie. They started scripting it. They took the, the two-hour pilot for Phase 2. We're going to turn that into a movie. Then... They, you know, so they, they plan on just making it with their television production team and which was all fine and dandy. But the problem with that is, is that the sci-fi people for TV are very different than the sci-fi people for the movie. So they had to get rid of them and start from scratch. Got to bring in a ringer. You got to bring in a ringer. Plus actors were starting to exercise control that they had from their from their scripts into you know they had to they had to give the okay for stories to go a certain direction in this movie so then um so you know they were given a 20 million dollar budget and hold on a second i want to talk about that real quick because i find that fascinating okay the fact that a contract clause kicked in for Shatner and, and Nimoy that they had essentially script approval. Yeah. Um, Actually, I think that may have been the only reason why Nimoy did the movie was he didn't want to do this movie. And Paramount was like, well, we can go on without him. And they were going to take the guy who was on Epsilon 9. He was going to be a new, makes sense. a new Vulcan named yeah. Zahn. Yeah. And uh, that guy ended up instead in the movie The Hearse. Oh, shit. Really? Yeah. That's funny. I, in my B-movie Enema oh, article yeah, for that, that, I make guy. a bunch of jokes totally about, that guy. about him being that commander dude from Epsilon. Um, <laughs> I just think it's a, funny th- it's a funny image to me of Shatner and Nimoy 
you know, having a beer or something and, and laughing about the fact that they, they can't get their shit together at Paramount and that they're going to get to come in and, and get, you know, script approval. And I'm, I'm sure that like tickled them to death. Probably. Yeah. Yeah. Um, now because now, so Paramount was, was all in at this point. It's like, we've spent $20 million. We're going to make this movie. It's going to make star Wars money at the very least. It needs to make close encounters money. Uh, we're in, but getting the new sci-fi team in, which consisted of, uh, Douglas Trumbull, who I think 2001, 2001. yep. John Dykstra, who did star Wars. Yep. And then you had Richard uh Yersich. Um and he he was a big well, Trumbull won Academy Awards for both this and two thousand one, didn't he? Uh he did I don't Did he win for this? Yes. I'm I pretty think he sure did. He, I'm pretty sure that was one of two thousand ones um Yeah, because that was the only was that special was, effects. Yeah, yeah, that was the only Oscar that uh that Kubrick ever won because he shared that with Kubrick. With, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Well, which is that's a whole nother discussion, but sure. Uh and the thing is, is that Trumbull didn't want to do the special effects for this because he wanted to make his own movie. Yeah. Well, when that movie's production uh, shut down, he then came over and was like, all right, you got me. Um, give me control and I'll do it. What was he trying to make? Do you remember? I don't remember. But he wanted to be a serious film director. Well, yeah, he had made, um, oh, the movie with... Um Bruce Stern, sci-fi. Uh, Silent Running? Silent Running, yeah. Yeah. That was in 72. Um, So anyway, um, so, well, they brought these guys in, and they were going to get the special effects they wanted. The problem was, was that now the movie became the second most expensive movie ever. The year before, Superman was made for $50 million. Um, Star Trek Motion Picture was made for $46 million. It's kind of hard to believe it that this movie came after Superman. It just feels... Well, again, it's how do you make this movie after Star Wars and Superman with with what they showed you can do with special effects, and this movie is a cerebral, slower movie. Yeah, yeah. Um, You know, I mean, it's all part of that mystique of how did they make... How did they really think this movie was going to do? Yeah, and, and plus now we're becoming accustomed to... These big action blockbuster films, yeah. Well, not only that, th- this movie's bloated too. Uh-huh. Uh huh. I mean, this movie's two hours and thirteen minutes, or yeah. something like that. So it's it's pricey, it's slow, and it's long. Yep. Now, granted, Star Wars was two it hours. It makes you use your and, noggin. And Superman is super long, but those are action movies. Makes, those are adventure movies. Makes you use your, your, your brain probe. Yeah, your brain probe, your brain bits, all of that's being used in this movie, and that's not accustomed to blockbuster. Right. I mean, Close Encounters was a blockbuster because of Spielberg. He taps into things that, you know, and Spielberg, they tried to get him for this movie. Yeah. Uh, but Robert Wise, I would say, is still a really good choice. I mean, he made the Andromeda Strain. Mm-hmm. That's a phenomenal sci-fi slow sci-fi movie uh he made the earth the day the earth stood still that's another phenomenal sci-fi movie that makes your brain bits work yep um it you know and he could handle the size of this movie i mean he's twice not he's twice won academy awards for grand musicals 
with really oh, big. Yeah. I yeah. mean, so yeah, I mean, he's. Oh, he was West Side Story, right? And Sound of Music. Which is weird that Spielberg is making West Side Story. It's just what the fuck. That is weird. But it, but it's kind of like that sort of circle of creativity is strange to me. Right. You know that Spielberg had been tapped at one point to make this movie. Star yeah. Trek. Ah, so, so interesting. Right. And um, which is probably why J.J. Abrams makes Star Trek. If, now, re, re, if, if uh, Wise were still alive, he should like remake E.T. or something. <laughs> Maybe he did. <laughs> Maybe he did in the afterlife. Maybe he did. Um, but anyway, um, now in December of 1979, this movie I think came out the 7th of December. But the premiere was in Washington, D.C. like, I don't know. December 1st or November 30th or something like that. And Robert Wise shows up with the print that was finished two days before that. I mean, they never tested this movie. That's crazy to think. They didn't even run it through a fucking projector. And they ran it through projectors for uh, like work prints for right. people who were making the, the movie. The final print to think oh hope it hope the it's first good. time anybody saw this movie in its completed form was in an audience essentially had to be so that's nerve-wracking oh yeah but the movie still performed very well um didn't get very good reviews didn't i mean fans were mixed on yeah, it yeah right i think the but main I perception think was of, lukewarm as well yeah but i think that the thing was was that people went back for the visuals yeah because this movie is damn pretty. Yeah. And that score is damn pretty. I, I imagine this was a bit of a stoner film, too. Oh, probably. Oh, God, yeah. There's yeah. several moments where, like, you're going through that wormhole. Oh, you're my God. You're going through V'ger. The, the wormhole The wormhole. You're, the you're checking out the bald chick. Yeah. 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 I mean, it's, it's, I mean, in honesty, it gives you more of the stoner that people that would go to see 2001 A Space Odyssey for. Right. Yeah. Well, and also, not only that, it's telling you what you need to know. Whereas 2001's right. like, right. nope, you're out in the cold. If you don't get it, yeah. tough. It's giving, See you later. It's giving your brain bits, little things to, to latch on to. Right. And, um, I mean, this is just Robert Wise making 2001, uh-huh. really. Um, yeah. Um, so, movie comes out. It's largely talked about at least because it's like can you believe they made this movie or can you believe i love this movie this much you know um because the people who like this movie don't just kind of like it yeah they love it and the people who don't like this movie um are um they infest enterprise (laughs) um they infest fandom they infest fandom um no i mean i've talked about like i i it boggles my like if you're not a star trek fan you're allowed to not like this movie you're a Star Trek fan, I, uh, like a real Star Trek, like a real know. sci-fi fan. I think, I think you should get this movie. I think probably, but you, but to be fair, people like things about things that are different from what you like. What things that you like about things? You know I what don't I mean? care. <laughs> and I think, I think where 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 that sort of no, I, fandom i think it's okay for well, people for fans of star trek to not like this movie there is one other thing that i will give credence to but if they if they can't talk intellectual criticism about it or or all they do is it's boring then yeah you have a point yeah so here's the other thing that that people that a few people will say yeah i get the themes i get all this 
what I miss in this movie is the characters that I saw on TV that I yeah. know. Yeah. Um, this movie and is I think that's very, where my dad very, came from. Uh, yeah, from because place. like Kirk, Spock, and McCoy are not a tight trio anymore. Right. They've gone off and done other things separate from each other, and that feels, they've grown apart. It feels so real. Yeah. I could just... Man, Another thing real. that I like about this movie is that this is real. I mean, but we've you don't had, see as an audience, we've had you know time apart from them as well when this movie comes out, and so we have to get reacquainted with who they've become. I mean, it's yeah. it's very smart writing. Yes. Um, now, the big thing that happens, and the reason why this movie is celebrating forty years, really, is ABC comes along and it's like, hey, it's nineteen eighty-three. It's I think it's summer. At, le- at the very least, it's nothing's going on. There weren't there weren't no Sunday night football back then. Uh, we need three hours to fill this Sunday night with a movie. Hey, Star Trek, ne- uh, you know, Star Trek motion picture. We'll grab that. Uh, oh, well, it doesn't quite fit three hours after we put commercials in. You've got some you've got some deleted scenes. We'll just throw them all in, and the movie's like thirteen minutes longer. There's a problem with this. Mm-hmm. So not only is the 1979 film version that we watch tonight incomplete in the mind of Robert Wise, ABC recut the movie with all those extra scenes without asking Robert Wise yeah. or Paramount. Really. Paramount's just like, whatever, we're, we're counting our monies at yeah. this point. Robert Wise is like, what the fuck are you doing you're, in my movie? You're, you're kind of like putting really heavy anchors on it and just yes. dragging it under. Yes, and uh, now the funny thing is that all that extra stuff, people really liked it huh. because it smoothed out some stuff. Yeah, it it there are certain scenes in that in that are cut out that a couple of them Robert Wise did put back in. Like there is a little bit more context around um, Crotch the old McCoy not wanting to get into the mm. and how basically Kirk forced the the uh, the beaming the transport to. To take him to, basically, like to, f- to locate him, yeah, and beam uh, him on. basic, basically, like because because these other people come in, he was supposed to be part of this group, and this girl is like, yeah, he refuses to get on the transport, and Kirk's like, oh, I'll show him. Well, considering <laughs> what just happened, <laughs> yeah. I don't think I'd want to get on the transporter no, either. It's like, can I get one of those fucking shuttles? The, the, the people who <laughs> just transported before him yeah. turned into Cronenbergs. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, but uh their insides became their outsides <laughs> yes i think that would pretty much turn me off transporting forever <laughs> yeah i take uh, <laughs> i take my chances on the galileo shuttle <laughs> yes. that always fucking crashed I mean, hit your ride yeah. with spock <laughs> hey spock, spock can you hear me this? up here yeah, pick me up um so the um but a couple of other things it does at one point near the end, uh, Spock begins weeping on the bridge. This is before they they really see V'ger. And Kirk knows he's not crying for the crew of the Enterprise, even though they're not out of the woods yet. Um, he's weeping for V'ger because V'ger has no one, has nobody to go to, no father figure, no brother, no friend, no anything Mm -hmm. to ask these questions to it's all alone in the universe and that really adds a lot of depth to this struggle of gaining 
purpose and sentience and is that, understanding. Is it, does that happen after he goes out on his own? Yeah. And he gets brought back in by yeah. Kirk? That makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. Because uh, this is, yeah, because Kirk already knows that, that Spock has some connection to understanding what Vidra is going through. And it's not that Kirk is mad at it. He, he gets it that it's like, and this is before he says that Vidra is a child and you have to treat it as such. Right. Uh, to basically lie to Viger and bluff it to say, oh, we've got what Viger needs. You got to take us to him and you got to pull back all these fucking things that will destroy everything on planet. And it calls this bluff. <laughs> that was pretty awesome because yeah, Kirk is. bluffed his ass off all through three years of TV and some cartoons, <laughs> and he got called on it this time. <laughs> um, but anyway. I mean, he did and he didn't. Like they, well, Viger just wasn't going to budge on right. having those. It, it learns quick, doesn't it? Yes, yeah. but um, but still, it it did what Kirk needed it to do, which was buy him some time so he could get more information, so he figure out to make a more intelligent choice. Everybody thinks that Kirk is some kind of gung ho action man. Kirk is not. He never has been. That is a. Uh, that is a character that's a caricature of a character that people would rather be the jump in bed with a green lady just go up and punch a guy when he can't get his way oh that's a great line when when Aaliyah mentions her vow of chastity uh, oh yeah 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 um but well, Dalton's like the fuck I mean uh but anyway I almost took it took it though as like she was picking something up from Kirk. No, no, it, it's yeah. And she's like, "Whoa, buddy!" Yeah, no, it's not so much that. It's um, uh, there, there's a whole back. We don't need to, to get that. into anyway, it, but that yeah. that was the way I, I took that. Deltas which, which can't just be around humans because they want to uh, sex it up. You go to Delta Four on your shore leave. To let loose a little bit of the uh, of the foot soldiers, yeah, if you know yeah, what I mean. Yeah, I know what you mean. Yeah. Yeah. Um, anyway. It's, it's the port. Yeah. Um, <laughs> anyway. Um, so, but the longer version proved to be super, super popular because it helped pull out a little bit more that I think people huh. were missing. All right. So, Paramount's like, fuck yeah, we're going to release this on VHS and Laserdisc. And for years... That was the home video version okay. of that movie. That's probably what I saw then. Probably. Uh, growing up. Um, it wasn't until 2001 that Wise finally did his director's version. They took it basically from his recollection of what he wanted, uh, from storyboards and from what existed. They made certain things that didn't look quite as good because of the time constraint. They f refreshed all that shit. You talk about like how bad some of the Star Wars special edition stuff looks. This thing integrated so perfectly that this will never happen again. How perfect everything seems because like they ended up doing it where they refreshed all the effects on the Star Trek original yeah. series yeah. on Blu-ray, and you can still watch it the original version. But I don't mind watching, the, but I can definitely tell it's like that shit's not from the sixties. Yeah. Some of the stuff that they do with this uh, does look like it could have been 1970, considering how all the rest of it looks. Right. Um, that's the advantage of having so many special effects masters basically working on this. So really, 
the 2001 version was released on DVD at that point. So you had you had the opportunity to watch the theatrical, the longer, or, or the extended version, or the director's version in, by 2001. Um, the problem was, was that the only one that Paramount uh, turned into a high definition was the original theatrical version. All the other ones are currently ba- essentially uh, standard definition. Sure. Now, you can see them, but they are standard definition. Um, there have been people who have done their damnedest to try to get the director's edition as much into the HD as possible, um, but everybody's hoping that the popularity of the 40th anniversary might push an actual restoration you would think i mean some of the movies that i'd buy it in 4k a scans even i mean i'd buy it, it i'd just buy seems that like a no-brainer to do this in a 4k with the way this movie looks yeah yeah i would buy that movie in the eventual in the eventual need probably to ultimately buy a 4k blu-ray player mm-hmm. my tv's 4k yeah so, you know, it's like I'm halfway there. Well, I mean, I, I mean, you got the Ultra HD now, you know? Yeah. I mean, that's, yeah, that's. I mean, hell, if they if they release the Ultra HD, then I can just watch it digitally. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, but anyway. Uh, yeah. So this movie has seen quite a bit of life um, in quite a lot of different forms. Uh, there are videos on YouTube out there that, that document every single change. Um, some of the um, director's edition rearranges some of the scenes, um, particularly when uh, Spock is concerned about Ilea's, the Ilea probe being an untrustworthy source of information. So he's planning on going out and finding it himself. They rearrange some of those scenes to where he goes out before certain things that they discuss on the ship with Ilea. I liked how they did that um, in the theatrical cut because there's this sense of Spock isn't who we remember him as he was. He he is committed seemingly to this complete annihilation of his human self, yeah. right? Um, he has he has essentially like boarded the Enterprise by stealth, <laughs> right? To, be, to to insert himself into this mission for his own for his own benefit. Yeah, which he's which he makes no bones about, no bones about. <laughs> <laughs> um, and and it's also mentioned several times that he may be untrustworthy because of his own self interest. There is a great scene. So when he does the 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 neck pinchy thing. Right to which that guy is like the per- he he outdoes them all. The seventies was yeah. Well, well, when the guy that gets uh, Vulcan neck pinched yeah. by Spock, the way he he does the 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 go limp and crumple, turn yeah. and crumple. Oh, it's magnificent. But um, <laughs> but at that he's point, very seventies. <laughs> at that point in time, you know you you know you're sort of with with Kirk. It's like I can't imagine that he would ever put him, his own interest before the ship and the crew well he's he is still half vulcan but it wouldn't be logical but that scene works so well because of how they've set it up yes and you're still not sure yeah well and here's the thing also there's a great scene so yeah you're talking about like 
how Spock comes clean and it's like, hey, I've been sensing this thing. It was calling to me. Um, I'm here now because I need to know what's going on here. And Kirk is like, so you'll make sure you tell me anything you feel, right? And he's like, yeah, yeah, sure. Um, <laughs> and then Bones is the one that's like, or, you know, it's like, uh, how do we know right. that he's not? And that's when Kirk basically finishes that line that like put his, his interest ahead of the ships. I just can't believe that. Later, when um, Decker's like, hey, we're trapped in this tractor beam. Yeah. Shoot a phaser beam right. right there in the center. It might give us enough time to break free. And Spock's like, break free to where? Right. It's futile to show any resistance why wouldn't you even try why would you and why wouldn't why why are you so opposed to trying right and kirk and mccoy share a look look, yeah where neither one have to say a damn thing and we're like ha ha yes we're we're thinking the same thing it's like is he on the level or not uh, yeah and and mccoy 100 percent is suspect of every goddamn thing on this fucking mission (laughs) he didn't even want to fucking be there and And I'm not even supposed to be here today. Yeah, and uh, he was he was at some space disco. Oh, oh, absolutely, he um, was. He was getting down. Man. Yeah, and he got drafted. Yep. Um, that's, a, that's a great joke. I was drafted. Yeah, yeah. Uh, everybody's so fucking good in this movie. Everybody is so good in this movie. I I think William Shatner, the impersonations of William Shatner became most people's reality of him mm-hmm. uh i think and i think he showed this on boston legal right boston legal yes yeah. um that he can really act sure and you really don't have to go any further than um the three seasons of star trek and star trek's one through four um and six Five is a mess, but <laughs> five is not my least favorite, though. Um, Generations. Yeah. Yeah. God, I fucking hate that movie. Uh, <laughs> um, and I hate it because of what they do to Kirk. Yeah. That's what, yeah. Fucking Rick Berman. Um, anyway. Yeah. But no, it, this is, it's, nobody can trust each other Yeah, in this movie. It takes a long time for people to feel like they're all on the same page. It's interesting, too, because Kirk... And this is... And also, you're on a ship going someplace that to stop something from destroying your planet. You can't be trying to f- suss out if everybody's on the same page as long as they do. It really makes this movie dangerous you know, in the sense that like they're in peril the entire movie. Yeah. And Kirk shows, and I think this comes through in Chatner's portrayal, is Kirk shows a lot of self-awareness. Yeah. Like, he is, he's he he recognizes that he needs McCoy by his yes. side. Like, he, he, is, he is... He needs he, his bros. When, when Spock shows up, he recognizes that he needs Spock, right? He... he when, to begin, you know, when he takes over command of the Enterprise, you feel like he's maybe a little cocksure. It's cocksure Kirk, but he quickly comes down 
to where he's feeling a little out of place. He can't find the transporters, you know. Well, the, the, you can't the, find the. He can't find Turbo Lift Eight. Right, and you know, <laughs> and that's a that's a moment of humility. For and him. when in um, when McCoy comes into the the room at when Kirk is about to dress down Decker after Decker blazes blazes order. Yeah, you know, McCoy makes the comment to him about you know this is this is an obsession for you. Yeah, and Kirk hears that. Mm-hmm. And he reflects on that immediately. Well, and the thing is, is the way they end that scene, too, with those shaded doors kind of... Kirk's out in the dark. Like, he doesn't know what's going on. He doesn't know how to run the ship. He doesn't know the people that he needs to rely on the most is even with him right. and, and, and supporting him. And certainly, his his uh, his EO, his executive officer... XO. XO, yeah. His, uh, he can't... He, they don't trust each other. Uh, it's bad news. Right. Yeah. Um, and he's literally left in the dark at the end of that scene. You know what's That's weird? You know what's weird that I don't like is that they don't keep calling him Admiral. Like he well, he does get a grade reduction. Oh, he actually did, he did. take a grade yeah, reduction. Yeah, so that's that was the whole thing. He was reduced to captain. Because you could be an admiral and command a ship. Well, he does in Star Trek two and three. Yeah, but I mean, in the military, four. you know. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, no, I mean, he he can right in Star Trek two, he is just there to oversee the shakedown of this new right. training crew. Yeah, and to check in on teacher Captain Spock. And when they when the shit hits the fan, Spock's like, "You're the superior. You're the you know you, you are my commanding officer. You have to take the ship." And he's and he's reluctant to, yeah. but he remains. It remains Admiral Captain. Now, what's weird is after Star Trek Four, there's Captain Kirk and Captain Spock on the same fucking ship. <laughs> How do you explain that? I don't. I don't know. I don't care. But it works. Who cares? Yeah. Everybody was com- becoming captain then. You had ca- Captain uh, uh, Sulu eventually. Scott uh, Scotty was captain of engineering. Yeah. He was he was promoted to captain of engineering to uh, control the uh, the the engineering of the Excelsior. Yeah. And he would shared captaincy with uh whatever that dude's name was i don't remember but i know who you're talking yeah. about yeah the guy who thought oh we're gonna real easily catch the enterprise and scotty like fucking sabotaged him <laughs> anyway <laughs> um so uh yeah i mean he does they do mention that uh transfer orders came over when he when he got there and that he was he was given a grade reduction to to lead this mission, and and he he told um, Decker that his was a temporary grade reduction. Yeah, because the yeah. idea was after this, Decker would take the Enterprise back and he'd go back to Starfleet uh, operations. Right. Yeah. But 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 that's. I and think, by the way, he was not truly. But the an grade admiral. reduction is is weird to me. It's like you could just he could be a captain and Kirk could still be an admiral. I think it was. I think that was a. If I'm going to be listed as captain to to command this, show. because technically also he skips two grades too, right? He goes from captain to rear admiral, mm-hmm. and, and oh my god, I'm showing my I'm yeah. showing my dorkiness here, but Dirk. the goddamn DC Comics who's who of Star Trek listed all of the all the of the rankings. He skipped fleet captain and commodore. So he was a rear admiral at the start of this. Um, but it was, what, 10 years later? No. Wasn't it? Two and a half years later. Oh, it was later. only two and a half years later? Yeah. 
So he basically took a desk job. And they talk about that in Star Trek 2 because he, he went back to being an admiral. And by then, I think he is a full admiral because that's like 15 years later or something, you know, 13 years later or something. Okay. Um, Dork! I, I wrote down the... The timeline. The timeline. So 1964 was when the cage was. That was Captain Pike. Okay. Kirk took over in 2266. Okay. Uh, 2265, I'm sorry. He was around before the series started in 2266. Was it was always 300 years later. Um, by So late 2269 into early 2270 was the animated series. Okay. He stepped down after the animated series, said, Decker's the guy. Uh, his dad was a complete nutcase in that one Doomsday Machine episode where he flew into that fucking tunnel thing and tried to take the Enterprise in there with him. Anyway, <laughs> um, but he should be good. Star Trek motion pictures always listed as 2270s, but if you take the two and a half years thing, it would be about 2272. 2285 through 2287 was Star Trek's two through five. But considering how much everybody plumped up, those were a rough two years for everybody. Uh, 2293 was when Star Trek six happened and the beginning of Generations. Okay. So. All right. Kirk is presumed dead in 2293. Cool. Yeah. Um. I really like this movie on a very cerebral level. And it's also very nostalgic for me. I told you going in, it's like this movie makes me feel good. It makes me feel like a little kid again. Part of it is the wonder of it, mm -hmm. right? I mean, a lot of spacey eye candy. <clears throat> but, I mean, it's a movie that got better for me. Because I understand some of the themes better, I understand some of the um, some of the ideas of the existential stuff. And, mm -hmm. um, I mean, because in a way, it does touch upon religion. Mm -hmm. I mean, you kind of mentioned that. Absolutely. Um, it take it, it really flips the whole idea of of the God thing and reverses it. Yeah, which I think is brilliant. Yeah, right. Because I mean, really, technically. Uh, as technology was growing, I mean, I'm sure there were plenty of doomsayers were saying that we were playing God and that was dangerous and we would be punished yep. and all of that. Um, I mean, hell, to this day, how many of the super, super uh, evan evangelistic stuff or people out there are still worried about barcodes? Yeah. You know? Yeah. Um, that's a byproduct of technology that people are legitimately scared of. I mean, I remember the first time I heard of that, like in the late 80s or something. I looked at my friends like, what? <laughs> Whatever. <laughs> you know, it's like, what are you talking about, man? That's that's insane. It's like, it's like, how are they going to scan my groceries when I'm when I'm going to buy a roll of sweet tarts? Everybody's going to get a barcode. Yeah. They're going to be tattooed on you. Yeah, the mark of the beast. Uh-huh. Yep. Yep. <laughs> We should we should just get drunk sometime and watch SOS. What was that? That's a uh that's the um was it the Oh, the really goofy worldwide church that like is a cult. Oh. Essentially they basically they take all the stuff that the evangelists don't like and they're like, 
hold my beers. Oh, man. Oh, and then they go even further oh. down a rabbit hole. Oh, it just make me weird and angry. I don't know, man. It looks pretty goofy. <laughs> <laughs> I've watched a little bit of it. It's goofy. It's real goofy. <laughs> but let me tell you about uh, the good news of SOS, Star Trek, huh? the motion picture. Star Trek, the motion picture. <laughs> Um, no, I mean, this is not a movie for everybody. It really isn't. Um, it's hard to even know which Star Trek fans like this movie. Yeah. Um, it's not an action movie. It's not Star Wars. You know, I mean, V'ger's not looking for the force and has lightsabers and has a whole <laughs> shit ton of TIE fighters flying out at the Enterprise. <laughs> it's none of that. It's, um, it's real deep, heavy shit. It's the real deep, heavy shit. Yeah, it's good. Yeah. yeah. I thought you'd like the real deep heavy shit of yeah, it. Yeah, I liked it a lot. Um, someday we'll get to Star Trek 2 and 3. I don't know. 2 probably deserves its own. Yeah. Even though 2, 3, and 4 are a trilogy. Yeah. I mean, um, they all kind of deserve their own. Yeah. I really think so. Yeah. Except so five. come back next week. No, we're going to talk about five because five is fun. As I watched that recently, that, it is super fun. <laughs> it is super. Maybe that can be a special. The scene I always remember is the beginning, which I always loved the beginning where they're camping. Oh yeah, bourbon and beans are ex- and shit. Yeah. yeah, bourbon and beans are an explosive combination. <laughs> yeah. I always loved that. That's a because fart joke. In Star that Trek. that is one of my favorite scenes in all of Star Trek because of it, it shows it's the togetherness. Those guys being buds. Well, it's the whole concept of um, I knew I wasn't going to die because I was never alone. Yeah. Um, flipped around at the end when he is alone. But Spock commandeered that fucking bird of prey. Yeah. And it's like, you weren't alone. Um, and they just fucking trashed that shit in Generations. Ugh. Yeah. Because he was alone. And then he wasn't alone. And then fucking whatever. Jerks. Yeah. Anyway. Um, yeah. We'll we'll eventually get to the other Star Trek movies, I think. I, certainly two and three and four deserve discussion. Mm-hmm. Those are good movies. Yes, they are. And I I love Six a lot. Six I, is really good, too. I watched Six just uh, maybe a month ago, and man, I love it. I still love six it so is, much. Six has got some real good... I like the... that the. It's like the... Um, it's kind of like the James Bond of well, it's the, end the, of the Cold Star War. Trek movies. Yeah. It's the end of the Cold War, and what use is somebody who still thinks in that yeah. to anybody? It's great. Yeah. It's, the, the political because we intrigue, have to think about the, that, too. The assassin, you yeah. know, it's oh, so good. Well, I mean, we have to think about that too, because eventually, someday, probably in our, probably in our lifetime, um, we probably won't think of Muslims the way that we do. But for all of our lives, you know, we're yep. going to have some sort of preconceived notion, or at least a big group of us will. And um, what use will be will we be towards that undiscovered country of the future? Ah, oh, it's so good. Yeah. It's love fantastic. It. I love All it. of these movies have such deep themes. And even five, <laughs> trust me, it's a real deep belly laugh theme. <laughs> um, anyway, I love this movie. And uh, seriously, the, the soundtrack to this movie oh my God. is oh, so good. Can I mention quickly that I don't know what instrument it is that Goldsmith, that, that like no-name composer uses, but he hits it. It's like it's like the top string of a bass guitar. 
that that crang oh, it's sound. Synth- he used a synthesizer. Oh my god, yeah. I love it so much. Uh, he, it's like the dirgiest he, shit, man. I think his it might be his son. There's a goldsmith in the sound department credits. Yeah. And I think his son is using instruments to create sound effects for oh. V'ger. Yeah. Well, yeah. they use it earlier. Yeah. Um, and oh, I love they it. They use it whenever they show the cloud. Yeah. Usually, it's or so like, yeah. good. It's, um, it's, it's very similar to the idea of like how uh, certain directors use crackling mm-hmm. electricity mm-hmm. sounds. It was kind of that, this movie's version of that. Yeah. Yeah. It definitely had a, an electric feel to it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I love, yeah, that's, oof. yeah, the score is good. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> nominated for an Oscar. Yeah. Um, rightfully what, so. What beat it? Do we know? <sighs> Probably some shit. <laughs> Our friend Dave would know like in a second. Probably. Um, Dave, you listening? I know you're listening. Thanks for listening, buddy. <laughs> I, I hope, I hope we did this episode justice for you. I love this movie, Dave. You know that. <laughs> I, I told you that. Um, thank you for for um, making sure I could watch that director's edition in its uh, glory. What do you see here? It's 1979 Academy Awards, whatever, 52nd, 51st Academy Awards, something like that. Oh, it's going to be too hard to, to find quickly. Um, just go to IMDb. Um fill some time i I got the wikipedia Um, so yeah i mean uh the score of this obviously was very very uh influential for the rest of star trek's history uh while it wasn't used during two and three two and three are my favorite scores uh both by james horner um but i think it has to do with the way i feel about those movies um although this again this one may be so sky high on a scale that I'm not even considering it because it is so sky high on the scale. Uh, but, um, it was used again in star Trek five, obviously for star Trek next generation. And, Oh yeah, we should mention that it was definitely used. uh, (laughs) Yeah. Uh, it was definitely used for at least one or two of the star Trek next generation, uh, movies, at least for the end credits. I know it was definitely used for Nemesis because uh, it was kind of the the little. Wow, we wouldn't. I would have never pulled this out of my butt for a million years. A little romance by Jo. I'm not, I'm gonna mangle this French name, but um, Georges Delarue. <laughs> yeah, never heard of it. Never Star Trek should have won. It was also <laughs> um, Harry Mancini, Henry Mancini's Ten, uh, Lalo wow. Schifrin's The Enemy Ville Horror, Ooh. Dave Grusin's The Champ. And then Jerry Goldsmith, yeah, for Star Trek Motion Picture. Um, they were the nominated scores. Yeah, who knows? I I can't imagine any of those being any anywhere in near the, as good the, as, as. Well, this is these. This Star is Trek. also like a march too, right? Like yeah. it, it's very reminiscent of the Superman score, where it's heroic and it's 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 almost you can almost hear the music reaching, you know, um, reaching for the stars, if you will. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, but yeah, I mean. It's it's so well loved, it's so well revered in the Star Trek world, and so strong of a piece that it was used so many times. I mean, it was used for seven years for yeah. Next Generation, yep. and then some of its movies. Yep. Um, 
and then that's probably why it came back for Star Trek V, uh, was that, well, people love this theme. Star Trek Next Generation is popular right now. It's definitely better than this movie, so <laughs> at least try to tie something good to it. <laughs> um, yeah. Jerry Goldsmith, you did a good. You did a good, buddy. Um, anything else? Uh, no, I love this movie. Um, I can't wait to talk about more Star Trek. In fact, we're just going to turn this into a Star Trek podcast. Oh, we are? Yeah, Cause the, cause surprise. You, well, you know we should, because I don't think there's anybody talking about Star Trek <laughs> on the internet. So we really have a big hole to fill. Yeah, you know, a right? A big void. Yeah. Well, a, big, no. a, a big V'ger to fill <laughs> with, with a Star Trek podcast. Yeah, I guess so. <laughs> so come back next week for... Uh, more discussion of what exactly, where did V'ger come from? Well, no, we're going to talk for an hour and a half about one episode of the animated series <laughs> next week. That's what, and then, yeah, we're just going to bounce around. There yeah, won't okay. be any, any rhyme or reason to it. Okay. Yeah. And then we'll talk about an we'll Enterprise do an, episode. We'll do an entire episode in Klingon. <laughs> I mean, that's going to happen. Uh, I mean, guaranteed. I mean, we're already taking, you know, classes on the internet at the Star Trek University Starfleet University. Starfleet University. Yeah. Starfleet Academy. Starfleet. <laughs> yeah. God damn! I want to start that online. That online school. The online school. I'm, st- a, I'm amazed. I, I bet if we look, there is one. There's a game. I know that. Yeah. Uh, anyway. Um. Yeah. Get, get college credit for <laughs> learning Klingon. I think that's probably a thing somewhere. Oh, I'm sure. Um. Pop culture. It would be a pop culture yeah. credit, probably. Um. Certainly, their Star Trek. I bet you that there's. Classes. I bet you like made up languages like that, like Tolkien's languages that he made Elvish. up. Elvish. Elvish. Yeah. I bet you there is a class for yeah that examines those types of um, languages. Well, yeah, because the, the I creation mean, creation of language. You actually have to create it right. in order to use it. And uh, I mean, I mean, there are linguists that just get off on all that oh stuff. Yeah. Fictional languages, even yeah, yeah, yep. Structure um, of language, yeah. Etymology. Yep. Yep. Is it? Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, uh, yeah. So next couple of weeks, we're going to see the return of our very own Billy Preston. <laughs> Chuck Moore. Uh, he's got a couple of Peter Jackson movies he'd like to, to watch. Oh, yeah. Um, speaking of uh, sci-fi guys um, or, yes. you know, effects guys. At we're least. doing. Should we spill it or? No, we can wait. All right. They can fucking wait. They can fucking wait. <laughs> Uh, but then we've got a uh, pretty strong end of the year. I mean, we've got some gremlins to talk about. Uh-huh. We got a crit- we got critters miss come we, back. We do. We have a critters miss special. Yeah. Oh, that, might, that one might be a rough one. Yeah. Well, we'll see. We'll see. can't be worse than four or three. That's true. Um, I don't think it is good. Um, yeah. So we've got some, uh, we got some business to talk about. Um, you can always catch our episodes on Wednesdays. They're usually not an hour and a half long. Yeah. And we are or hour getting, 40. We're getting close to let's, hour. 40. Let's wrap this, this one up. The, we're we're going to do the extended cut and ABC can <laughs> show it. Um, <laughs> they're already done. They're like, they stopped talking about Star Trek. <laughs> like the serious shit is over. Yeah, like David, Dave is done. You know? Yeah. We, he's, we, we, we he's like, I know how the rest of this goes. Yeah. They're going to awkwardly end the episode. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's just, just, yeah. well, we're awkward guys. Yeah. Damn it. I mean, come on. Um, <laughs> I better make sure that I said it. I took three pages of fucking notes here. Um, yeah, no, that's fine. Um, anyway, uh, catch new episodes of Film Seizure. Usually not this long. 
um, sometimes half this long, uh, over at filmseizure.com. Every Wednesdays, new Monster Mondays, which are definitely never this long, on um, Mondays. <laughs> uh, sometimes we review new movies. Those just kind of happen. Um, I've got B-Movie Enema on Fridays. You go over sure to bmovieenema.com. I'm working on a show there. Yep, yep. It's uh, all ab- it's it's all about uh, V'ger. Yeah, the whole show. The whole show is about oh. V'ger. Um <laughs> uh anyway uh yeah so you can always uh what is it, is it film seizure on facebook and twitter we're, we're yeah. there right yeah yeah you can go there um yeah film seizure film seizure wherever the internet is sold <laughs> yeah. yeah where better internets are sold <laughs> um the uh yeah so uh film seizure at gmail.com so shoot us an email Send say an hey email. you guys are assholes you made me you made me Listen for an hour and forty minutes, right on the knot, uh, right, right, right on, on the, the knot, right on the knot, right there. Although the intro and the exit's gonna adjust that, <laughs> and you haven't even talked about how that one fucking dude, Cleary, in engineering, totally fucked up the transporter because <laughs> he was told to replace the power yes. thing, oh, God. and he's replacing it, and it fucking blows up in his face, and the guy dies. Two, two I guys think. died. Yeah. Oof. The Cronenberg, clearly, you should be court-martialed. They were all a mess, though. Yeah. Like that, that was that ship was not ready for prime time. <laughs> no, no, nope. Uh, but anyway, but it's charming. It is, and it's scary. Yes, and a Dalton's on board. Yeah, but she's anyway. not having sex with anyone. Well, she wanted to have sex with Decker. She would have. She would have, and she is now. Like out there in the They're ether. having cosmic sex now. <laughs> oh, boy. Yeah. They're birthing planets. <laughs> <laughs> birthing baby galactuses or something. <laughs> maybe, maybe they're the origin of... Uh, the Marvel Universe? Yeah. Oh, that'd be fantastic. Yeah. Or Cybertron. Or Cybertron. Yep. yep. Boy, that would be a painful birth. God, that's all pointy and pissed. Yeah. Yeah. Oof. But it originally started as gold... Because right out of her major. <laughs> okay, we're done. Yep. We're done. Uh, see you next week, whatever. Uh, do your thing. I'm Jeff Arbuckle. <laughs> I'm Jason Oliver, and you have been listening to Film Seizure. Yeah.